So I would say maybe summing up the topic of today is for me, start being honest with yourself. And am I honest when I say I love my partner? Am I honest when I say I love my job? Or what kind of small micro changes do I need to do every day in order to get there? And you don't need to change job because research shows that you can find purpose wherever you are. So don't take the easy way out and just change or leave your husband or wife. Uh, Try to find more meaning where you are. Hello and welcome to Create Belonging. This is Matteo Bornico and I am the creator and host of this podcast where we explore the world through the lens of belonging. Today I wanted to start off the podcast a little bit differently. And before I introduce you to today's guest, I wanted to ask you a direct question. Do you always act in a way that it's in accordance to your values? Do you always do what you think is morally correct or what is in the best interest for you. Take, for example, health. We all value health. We all want to be as healthy as possible. So why is it that you're not going to the gym regularly? Or similarly, diet. We all know that sugar is potentially really harmful for you. So why is it that we cannot hold ourselves from having that extra dessert or that extra scoop of ice cream. Or for example, you say that you care for animal welfare and you really do not want to see any animal suffer. So why is it that you're consuming products that are fueling an industry that is killing and harming many animals and causing a lot of suffering? Now, I'm sure you have pretty good answers for that, and I'm sure this is not the first time you ask yourself these questions. But before you rationalize and you give me an answer, I want you to stop yourself from answering if you can. And I want you to sit with that discomfort. I want you to pay attention to that discomfort that you feel when you know that your actions don't match what you think is right. This discomfort that you may be feeling is something called cognitive dissonance. And this term has been around for over half a century. But the phenomenon, I'm sure, is common to most of us living in society these days. And according to this theory of cognitive dissonance, it comes from this deep-rooted belief or tendency that we have to think of ourselves as rational beings. And so whenever we're confronted with information that contradicts that fact, we experience discomfort. And for coping with the discomfort, that is to get us to a place of comfort, there are three main coping mechanisms that we engage with. And the first one is to change our attitude. The second is to change our behaviors. And the third is to seek information that makes that cognitive dissonance disappear. And as you can guess, it is often changing our behaviors that is the most difficult thing to do and in many ways it is the most effective way of preventing cognitive dissonance and I wanted to talk about cognitive dissonance because this idea of behavior change or living in accordance to your values describes in many ways how my guest today has been living and crafting his life today I have the pleasure to introduce you to Chris Hofty Chris is a self-proclaimed urban monk, and Chris is unapologetically living a life where he strives to make sure that his behaviors are in accordance to his values. He's one of the people leaders at Telia, and Telia is one of the largest telecoms in the Nordics with over 21,000 employees globally. And as a people leader, He holds many roles and responsibilities, including employee well-being, diversity and inclusion leadership, and promoting self-leadership. Chris also sits on the boards of many companies and is very much involved in initiatives concerning the environment, how we interact with technology, and also on issues around racial and gender inclusivity. Chris is somebody that leads by example and is on a mission of helping people live their most authentic lives. So by this point, you're probably wondering, 
why did I invite an urban monk to be on the podcast about belonging? And this has to do with the way I define belonging. Now, I've been getting a lot of feedback lately. So those of you that wrote to me at createbelonging at gmail.com, I want to say thank you so much for your feedback. And one of the questions I have been getting is, Mateo, I love the podcast about belonging, but can you please define what you mean by belonging? Because it is a huge topic. And I do have my definition of belonging, as I'm sure you do too. And I am planning on recording an entire episode, perhaps with me just talking about what belonging means to me and what my latest thoughts are on the topic. But for the time being, I just wanted to introduce you how I think of belonging, interacting in three dimensions that are complementary and definitely overlapping. And the first one is belonging with the self. The second one is belonging with others. And the third is belonging to our environment, our planet, and our universe. And most of the definitions of belonging out there have to do with that second dimension, belonging with others. And that is about belonging with other people in a group, in a family setting, in society, or even in the the country and culture that surround us. And while I visualize this podcast dealing with that second dimension about belonging with others, because after all, we are social animals. From time to time, I plan on inviting guests that are more focused on belonging with the self or even belonging to our environment. And today's guest, Chris, is clearly on that first dimension of belonging with the self. And I think in many ways, Chris helps us to see that it is very much possible to just let go of excuses and just start living the life that is in accordance to your values. And so Chris Hovde, my guest today, is someone who belongs to himself first and foremost. He understands that in order to inspire and help others, we must first live our own truths. Chris is not one for excuses. And on this podcast, he challenges us to stop lying to ourselves and start the journey to an authentic life. Honestly, I can go on and on about Chris. I think he is a beautiful human being. And in this conversation, we cover many interesting topics, including his routines, his minimalism, why he turned his living room into a personal jungle, (laughs) or how he managed to cope with uh, being discriminated against for being gay. And just before we get into the conversation, I wanted to give you a little bit of a warning for those that have very sensitive ears. There are a couple of F-bombs here and there, but they're not gratuitous. They come from a place of authenticity. And so without further ado, thank you for listening to this extended introduction. And I bring you Chris Hobday. Chris, welcome to Create Belonging. Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to joining you in this conversation on so many interesting topics. Yeah. So we met a couple of years ago at a summit that we both volunteered. Tell me what brought you to that conference? Yeah. So I believe it was a singularity summit, if I'm not mistaken. And there's many as so there's many aspects to that. Uh, first and foremost, like we have a partnership within uh, one of the jobs I have. So within Telia Company, we have a partnership. But then uh, I also saw an opportunity to actually volunteer because I love to support good causes. And I, I kind of I don't like conferences because like you need to mingle and have those like uh, never-ending boring uh, chit chats with people you probably don't know and probably don't want to talk with. So I saw an opportunity uh, always to then contribute actively instead of just going there. So I signed up for uh, as a volunteer uh, and then I also meet a lot of highly engaged people interested in the same things. And Singularity is maybe one of the world leading institutions when it comes to exponential tech or tech that's like 
uh, is there for a good cause and for the impact of our world and society. So people uh, impact technology. That's kind of my purpose in life. Uh, so why wouldn't I be there? Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there is um, it. Singularity does touch on a lot of a lot of things that you're interested in. And what struck me, um, so after we met and, and we chatted, I, I saw your LinkedIn title and it said Urban Monk. Can you tell me a little bit what that's about? Why, where that title comes from? Yeah, so I believe uh, it came from that I think it's more important who we are than what we are. So uh, to me, the most important title in my life is who I am as a person. And then I can, like I ha had my own company. I work uh, as a global people movement lead in Telia. I sit in a lot of boards, both as chair and members, but those doesn't define me. So what is the platform that I define myself from? And then I started a journey uh, maybe after I was CEO of a healthcare clinic in Oslo uh, and I reached my goal becoming a CEO before I was 30. But then I realized, uh, why did I have that goal? Is this fulfilling? Is this the life I want to live? And hell no. So then I decided to embark on another journey and I started to get to know my purpose in life, my values. I went to India, sat in silent in a dark room for 10 hours. First time in my life I ever sat with my own thoughts. And I realized actually that you can think a thought through and it has actually an ending. So that we think about the same thing all over again uh, all the time and have this kind of monkey minds is because we don't take our time to actually think that thought through so we end with a solution. Once I did that, I, it was not even possible to think that thought again because it has ended. And where I want to go with that is that those 10 days living like a monk in India started kind of my... Uh, second journey in life uh, where I kind of uh, started to find myself gradually adapt my life to what I think is important and I believe a lot of the things that a monk embeddies is so important for my life so I only uh, have a couple of pants and jeans uh, and a couple of shirts like the most minimal I only have one pair of shoes one in the winter one in the summer what do I actually need uh, even in the shower, do I need one bar of soap or do I need this and that and that for the hair and scalp and whatever? No, you actually need a lot of less clutter and stuff in your life. And that also entails to what I'm doing at work, uh, what I have on my desktop. How can we simplify life as much as possible to actually use time on what's meaningful? And that's uh, kind of the embeddement of a monk. But then I want, don't want to take the egoistic route and go to the Himalaya, sit there for 10 years and feel like total bliss. I actually want to come back to the society and combine the urban with the monk so we can live uh, amazing lives in the societies that we live in. Some, someone call it the, the Buddha and the badass. Uh, I have a dog called Buddha, so maybe you can call me the badass and that's a good combination. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, um, like you touched on minimalism, getting rid of stuff. You said that you gain more time, but what else do you gain when, when you remove the unnecessary, when you peel back all, all the things? So what else do you, comes? Yeah, I would uh, take the analogy of a glass of water. So if you have a dirty glass of water and you shake it all the time, you will never see it through that water. But if you just uh, put it in for like uh, to rest for two minutes, the dirt will fall to the ground. The unnecessary stuff will fall to the ground and the water will be crystal clear. So uh, that's kind of my interpretation or my inner voice. If I kind of clutter that with stuff or needing to take decisions, should I wear this? Should I eat that? Should I go there? Uh, should I do this task? We're overly stressed all the time because I have too much to do because we sometimes see impact as doing a lot of stuff when impact can be, I usually like to take Greta uh, Thunberg uh, as an example. She didn't do a thing. She just 
wrote the poster and decided to stick with that. And that's what I'm finding with purpose and values. If you kind of just are really true to your core purpose and values and use them as guiding tools every single day, you will do much less, but you can do one thing in a year that has more impact than all of the activities you've done throughout that year in total. So that's what I gained, like clarity uh, of my inner voice. And then also on top of that, giving them clarity that what means more to me in life, that's relationship with friends and family. That's spending time with my probably dog. That's I want to live in a jungle, but I couldn't move to the jungle. So I made the jungle move into me uh, and bringing everything I want in my life to my everyday, because eventually I believe life consists of every days and if not my every day is a reflection of what i want to live the long term then my life will not be a reflection of what i want to do either yeah your um your views are 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 great they're a a breath of fresh air i have to say um (laughs) yeah it's it's really it's really nice to to hear that what i'm what i'm really curious about well besides everything, <laughs> um, is how, so your job is, uh, you work for, for a major telecommunications company here in Nordics, Intelia, and your job is, is to help people find their belonging and, and find that they fit into the, the company culture. But, I mean, your views are, in many ways, seem to seem to clash with the superficial views that most people have. Um, if we look at it at the superficial level, so how do you how do you get to that to that common space when they internalize what you're saying and and they say yes that that makes a lot of sense, but there is an initial resistance I'm guessing. How how do you how do you go about that that people are still stuck on judging you superficially? Um, mm. How do you break through that? Oh, that's. Uh... <laughs> Good question, but I think I have uh, a couple of like different answers. So the last thing that you mentioned is actually, I believe, coming into peace with myself. And if that's connected to not like superficial stuff, uh, like clothes, what I'm wearing, the CEO title, the money, the cars, the apartments, if that's connected to my core purpose and values, why would I care that somebody doesn't like my core purpose and value? It's like my heart. I can't do anything about it. It's my life mission. I don't care because it's so important to me that it doesn't even bother me because I found it. And it's like, I can't redo it because it, it's, I was sent to this world to do that. So then it's kind of like a pun with Teflon. It just rides up. So finding peace with with what's important to you, then others' opinions doesn't matter anymore. But then I would like to say the first thing you brought up also, how to make that influence other people. Because of course I realize if I'm kind of an activist or like far away from many other people, that won't convince uh, the masses. So I'm also thinking about how can I not convince the masses, but maybe inspire the masses to think a bit differently. And it's not like I would say I have a religion that you should follow, but I think I have a framework. If you connect more to your purpose and it's backed by research, if you're connected to your core purpose and values, not your companies, but your personal purpose and values, it's the highly, most highly correlated factor to uh, employee engagement or like human engagement. So you would like to do that. And the um, thing that's kind of dangerous is if you connect to your company's uh, core purpose and values and not your personal ones, it's actually counterproductive. So you can then have a negative effect on engagement. So it's so important that you know your personal values uh, and um purpose in life and then I try to really make everything tangible and concrete so how I use my purpose when I walk to the store I'm going to buy some things I'm never going to buy anything that's not sustainable or ecological 
because it's a micro investment. Every time, if it's 10 kroners or 100 kroners in a year, that adds up to tens of thousands of uh, money. And would I put that into a startup that supports, say, sugary drinks with 40% sugar, making the whole population addicted and obese and whatnot, diabetes and so on? Or would I put that into people who uh, are running regenerative farming? Even though if it's 10 kroners, even if it's a like on Facebook, even if it's an uh, uh, event I attend, I will make those choices. And then also connected to my core values. So that's authentic authenticity. So I will always strive to be myself. People may like it and people may, may hate it. And what I found peace in is saying that 50% will hate me, 50% will love me. Then I've lowered the expectations and it's okay. Okay, you're one of those 50%, you're hating me. And then you're one of the 50% that loves me. Because if you take that to marketing that we do in businesses, the most important thing from a brand perspective is to not have people who are indifferent. Make them love you or hate you because then you stand for something that people can take a stand too. So that's much more important to be. Never have people who are indifferent. And if you're not able to making people hate you, they're probably indifferent. Yeah, and it's that indifference that um, that um, leads people astray because they're not on a particular path and it's where people get lost. Yeah, and then last but not least also, I try to go... Uh, in front as a role model and instead of saying to people you should do this i invite uh, strangers every week to a dinner at my place and then i just tell them this nice dinner is made from ecological doo -doo -doo. when they throw the garbage garbage they will see that i make my own compost then we talk about the uh, oh don't you miss traveling no i will uh, have a travel ban for myself probably for tens of years uh, coming and i had it for three four years so corona is my dream situation i created corona life before corona came and just by being that example, not saying that you should do, I show you some options. Maybe you like some small bits and pieces. And then I realized that all big or great successes was built on small steps. I'm not sure where I am today without taking one small step every day. I didn't even go to the groceries and getting uh, money back for my uh, bottles uh, four years ago. Uh, so everyone has the potential to do sufferances every day and imagine how much that will be in a year and then two years and 10 years and so on. So start small, but dream big. Yeah, you you mentioned you're touching on so many important things like the the fact the the incremental gains from from just starting small. And but I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in the spot a little bit. So Yay. Yeah, so get ready. Uh, so you know you're a you're a white guy from Norway. And um, now it's easy for you to say, hey, yeah, just, you know, live the dream, do whatever. And then you have a, let's say, a one of my previous guests, he's, he's black, he's born and raised in Sweden, but he's black. And he has mm. had to deal with people judging him even before he opens his mouth. And mm. um, you had the benefit of the doubt in, in so many ways. How do you how do you explain to somebody who is not white, who is not, uh, you know, doesn't have your advantages? How do, how do you reach those people and, and letting them know that this is also possible for them? That's a good question. And I believe that a lot of my engagement also comes from own experience. So I believe that a lot of passion, purpose in life comes from your own experience. So I'm uh, a white man, yes, but I'm also gay. Uh, and I've experienced many times, I was in an interview process for an executive position. Then I was told by the recruiter, can you please uh, say she when you're talking about your uh, partner so you're more likely to get the job. Uh, wow. And I would not say that I can imagine uh, how black people's, uh, people are discriminated every day, but I believe that we're all discriminated in some way or another, and we can at least 
try to relate because we care. Mm. And then what I do is actually taking personal responsibility for that, both in uh, lifting ethnicity uh, and talking with a lot of people who are or have been in that situation to how can we become a better workplace for you and other groups like LGBTQI, people with disabilities and so on, because that's what we want to be, a workplace where everybody can be themselves. But then it ends up, the discussion is actually about, can you be yourself, Matteo, at work? Maybe you think, I need to speak like this, dress like that, behave like this. I need to be professional. Professional is the worst word I've ever heard or that was invented, because shouldn't that be, be your true authentic self? And that's the most important thing. So we judge ourselves and we judge others all the time because we don't feel that we are able to be a true authentic self. And then we won't um, let anybody else be that either. And then what I usually ask leaders, others that say they're concerned about diversity or diversity is really important to them, then I ask them, uh, ask yourself or look around you and look at your group uh, group of friends. How is it that they're all 50 plus? How is it that they're all white? How is it that you went to the same school? And then if you still say that diversity is important after revealing that, you're actually lying to yourself and you're lying to others. So I took that stand uh, a couple of years ago because I also was uh, responsible for sustainability back then. And how can I be a true authentic voice within those fields? I need to do it myself in order to have the integrity. So then I uh, put out a post on Instagram uh, asking people like I had a trans post, is there any uh, uh, transgender people out there who would like to meet? I need to know more, I want to become friends. So you can support one person at a time and taking those stands, being open about it, being open about your own story helps so many others. You wouldn't believe how many comments, emails, letters, SMSs I get every time I'm out there being vulnerable about my own story. I'm sorry I need to interrupt the regular flow of this conversation and for good reason. Chris was just talking about how he is vulnerable on on social media, for example. And this reminded me of a recent post that he put out on his birthday. And he shared it with his LinkedIn network. And I wanted to read it to you just to give you an idea of what he means by being open and vulnerable. So I'm just going to read his post. And I quote, Today, 35 years ago, I was born. There are times that I wish I wasn't. Times when people who don't know me are screaming fucking faggot to me out loud. When I'm just trying to take a peaceful stroll around town. When I was beaten to the floor and ended up with a concussion just because someone is afraid of people of difference. When I was told to talk about my partner as a she instead of he if I wanted to get the job. And also, in another process, the interview was quickly ended as soon as they understood that I was gay. When several of my previous partners felt the need to hide both themselves and our love. When my sisters and brothers still feel the need to hide when they are threatened, living in fear, beaten and killed. And all those small battles every day where we need to take the fight for our own equality and those of other LGBTQIA plus lives. It takes its toll and I'm tired. Can we just accept that love has many shapes and forms? My greatest birthday wish is that you all take a stand to be an active ally for equality for all, end quote. Okay, I really wanted to read you that post that Chris put out on his birthday. It gives you a little bit of a taste of how he is willing to be open and honest on social media. And of course, I'm going to have links to his Instagram, his LinkedIn. And please give him a shout, connect with him and tell him that you heard him on the Create Belonging podcast. Okay, thank you for this interruption. And 
we'll get back to our conversation. So use yourself and your own story in order to help others. Because if you, if not you, who else will do it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think one of the things you're, you're hinting that, that you do so well is you model their behavior. You're, you're there first. You're showing people that it's possible, that this is how, how you want to do it. One of the, the classic examples is, is people that eat meat, but then yet uh, they have a pet or, or they or they, you know, they say they care for animal welfare while they are, you know, gulping down a, a McDonald's. Um, yeah, there is a, a certain stress or a, a you tell yourself a story that's false and that leads to so many things that it's, you know, the, the con- cognitive dissonance, I think it's called when you have contract contrasting thoughts and beliefs and mm. you seem to have found a formula to to live in line with your values in line well if this is where i want the world to be then i should just be headed that way even mm. when you go to the supermarket and i think it's it's amazing um mm. apart from um Thanks. yeah I, I, apart from having people um over at dinner you know with strangers uh, because also i've seen your post and you talk about the there is a a loneliness epidemic and and you were welcoming um strangers get together this is how how it's done um i've been really inspired by that um mm. but like what else are you doing um besides these uh these dinners yeah so i of course i'm lucky to play with 21000 people uh, at tela every day yeah. and then i'm also lucky to sit in uh, many different boards uh, both uh, as chair of a board in a global uh, organization that runs self leadership programs for youth uh, we have had programs now in 15 different countries i was a part of an online program where we were uh, from 15 in different countries, 22 participants. And imagine like one uh, girl from Thailand sitting on the back office of her parents' uh, clothing store. And then uh, a couple of students from Harvard sitting in the same virtual room, uh, another like uh, really high politician, uh, politician trials in Switzerland. And like all the different kind of levels of society, uh, different countries, cultures, what not can sit in the same room and then discuss like world peace, how can we do a difference, my struggles, depression, uh, uh, and so on. It's kind of, it's just a small, small glimpse of the world I would like to see. So how in every touch point you do or create, how do that mirror the world you want to see? That's basically, in the bigger picture what I do. But then, of course, I also try to start my day every day with meditation. Uh, I meditate usually two hours a day. I start to write a gratitude to journal. What am I good at or like about myself? Because if you're not your best friend, you will not be anybody else's best friend. And then what do I really enjoy uh, with my work? And then also what do I really enjoy in the world uh, at large and then what would i wish to be today for others uh, and then three things i want to be for others and then i have a lot of kind of questions instead of saying a manifestation that i am uh, a loving and kind person and i make a lot of impact in the world instead instead of saying those as a statement i've learned myself to ask them as a question because if, if i say it as a statement i would say no i'm not the uh, sexy and hot. I'm not like a friendly person. Uh, That's not correct because I don't feel like that today. But if I ask it as a question, why are you so sexy um, and hot? If I would like to be that, of course, Uh, then then I look at small signs or why do I make so much impact in the world? Then I start to look for signs that confirms that question, not the belief, because that can be proven right or wrong. And then, of course, I continue to treat my day as it's a small, small, small mirror of my life. What would I like to do tomorrow? Yeah, I need to walk outside. I love nature. So I usually take two to three uh, meetings outside whenever I want to, because I have teams on my phone uh, and nobody can tell me not to walk because I then also inspire others. 
And then I try to exercise every day because I believe taking care of my temple uh, also makes me take care of the world. It's like making a bed in the morning. How do you actually say to yourself? And here is what I think is crucial. When you connect it back to what you said, we lie to ourselves all the time. Many people say, I love my job. No, you fucking don't. Right. I love my partner. No, you don't. I'm caring for sustainability. No, your actions prove otherwise. We need to start one lie at a time to change it and actually say, I would wish to care much about sustainability, but I'm not able today. I will try to reach my ambition, but I'm failing big time. You have to take ownership. Only then we can change the world. Yeah. And I do a lot of bad stuff, but I try to do one more right thing every day. You, I want to touch on something. You mentioned that every day you do a gratitude journal, right? (laughs) How do you not write the same thing every day? (laughs) I mean, does it change? I'm getting really practical here because I, I've tried doing a gratitude journal and I think that I see what I wrote yesterday. I'm like, okay, still true today. (laughs) Do I write it again? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. But um, what I've learned is that the gratitude journal is so important that you feel it. It's not about the task. You should first and foremost look forward to it. And then I also kind of understand the neuroscience in it. So if I have one negative thing in my life or throughout that day, I need five positive things in order to balance that out yeah and if i'm like i don't have time for five minutes to gratitude journal in the morning no but you have time for endless hours of negative things in your life yeah you will end up your day in, day in minus 10 so on bad days i actually take out that gratitude journal with those extensive list maybe i think i have 40 questions in the end i read it out loud several times right. and then The starting of the gratitude journal is always like, it must mean something to me here uh, and now today. So I just take the top of my mind and look around. It can sometimes be only my, yeah, I'm uh, really grateful for my jungle, being able to live in a jungle. And then my kind of uh, frenzy comes and... For those that can't see you, um, I, I'm going to describe <laughs> it. So your room right now, even though we're talking over Zoom, I see just like hundreds of leaves behind you, green leaves in, in what appears to be your living room. So yeah, I just wanted to describe people of, of your setting. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a shock. So uh, now when Corona hit in, like everybody started with home delivery. So I, of course, ordered a couple more plants. And then the uh, delivery man, he was like, here you have some plants. More plants. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, it's like a atom bomb of plants that exploded in my living room. But um, no, but second best to living in yeah, a jungle. It's great. You know, there's so many. I call it sometimes obvious research that comes out every day that it says hospital windows that look into nature, people recover faster, or people that mm. that take a walk in a park are I don't know twenty times percent less less likely to develop depression or something, and it's like. It's almost obvious, but they actually test these things, which gets to a question that I wanted to ask you. So you mentioned something like also, you know, you need five positive things against one negative. And that speaks to there's actually research that says we have an evolutionary negative bias, you know. So whatever is negative sticks because we've needed it for survival. We needed to remember where we made a mistake. We need to remember all these Mm. things. And so there's a lot of, and many of the, like the incremental gains, modeling behavior. I mean, are you researching a lot on social science or, or the latest research, or does this come to you kind of naturally? I mean, how do you, how do you get to all these little practices that you have adopted? Um, where do they come from? Yeah, that's a good question. So they both come from me being like too curious and reading up uh, both on research papers, different uh, magazine, hardware business review and stuff like that. And then it comes through uh, my work in all the companies that I'm involved with, because uh, I believe that if we should take a decision, changing a strategy, going for a different direction, 
stopping this, moving on on this, we should actually base it on research and not like I like it to have this kind of uh, team development uh, and it's not backed by anything because there's so much, for example, leadership development training out there that is not proven to work at all. So we wouldn't want to waste our time. And then I question myself, why when we know, for example, that 75% of our meetings is a waste of time. Why don't we just go tomorrow and cut that 75%? Right. We go on and on and on and on knowing yeah. that we waste our time. What are you then saying to yourself? My time is not valuable. You yeah. are allowed to waste 75% of your time. And what I believe is a lot of people read books, a lot of people take courses, uh, trainings and so on. But it's not around to read the most books. You are more interesting to me if you read one book and implement that one thing and you do it for the rest of your life than if you have read 100,000 books. It's like a really, really obese personal trainer. Right. And we're all walking around as immensely obese personal trainers. Yeah. It, it, it gets to the um, kind of like your mission that you were talking about earlier that that you're about impact. And in order to get impact, you have to go deep. And to go deep, you have to get rid of all the other superficial bullshit out there. And because your job and your mission is to, to create impact. And if you stay at the superficial level, you're not going deep. And yeah, it, it all it all comes together. And it's it's unbelievable how you have this this ability to just to speak truth and you don't hesitate i mean i, I mean it is a compliment i'm giving you but you're so in touch with your true self that you almost don't second guess yourself when you act you already have that habit that this is where i want to go and this is where i go um mm. so you mentioned 40,000 people <laughs> that, that you're yeah, 21,000. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 21,000. You're, you're, of course, not hiring them yourself. Uh, other people make the decisions. How, do, how have you influenced Telia or have you tried to influence or your company or, or other companies to, to say, no, these are the type of people we're looking for? Or do you accept anybody they hire and you work with them? Or how, how does that work? I mean, what, um, how, how would you like hiring practices to change? That's that's where I'm getting. Yeah, and that's a good question. But I would rather like to start with kind of how we see people and try to develop people. And then I will come to the recruitment because sure. we uh, have a strong expectation in Tela that we say that we believe in uh, the potentials of everyone, like and growth mindset, the power yet. So like everybody has the potential to develop. But then, of course, uh, in when it comes to recruitment practices, we are training all our managers, for example, in unbiased recruitment or inclusive recruitment practices. Okay. So what I would like and my dream uh, is actually that technology, and that's also my purpose, making people and robots or uh, aka technology fight for a better world. So that we don't need to fix ourselves, but we can fix the system. So you already see a lot of technology removing names. Uh, we are now doing more and more testing on skills uh, and actually ability to perform the job and personality rather than uh, being good at writing a letter, uh, having the best setup for your CV and uh, looking good because research now today shows that if you're looking good, you will more likely get the job and that's not how the world should be because that's not correlated at all to performance. So I would actually come to a world where the only thing that's important is how your skills and competences and personality is correlated to the performance that we need of you in that specific position. And the good examples is that we now hire a lot of people are self-taught like as coders developers and so on probably uh, some years ago we wouldn't do that then you need that university uh, grade and so on we also hire a lot of people who can't speak norwegian because uh, that's a local language 
because uh, potential and talent is the most important. So today we set too much criteria that not important for performance. So look at ourselves and ask ourselves what is needed for important, no, for a performance and what is only nice to have and maybe not mention those nice to have because then you exclude a lot of people. That's, yeah, that's great. I wish uh, more companies took note of what you and Telly are doing. Um, yeah, but then I must say like uh, me uh, influencing Telly, I'm not sure if it's Telly that's influencing me because when I came into Telia, I was really, really lucky to actually embark on this journey. And I entered a company that wanted to teach me what my personal values were, what my personal purpose. I got a self-leadership, extensive self-leadership training from Oxford Leadership. And I stopped drinking alcohol. I became a vegan. I stopped flying. I uh, kind of left a destructive, toxic relationship. I moved to a smaller apartment. I started all these transformational actions. And I don't believe if I wouldn't have kind of started in and really gotten the opportunity to, for many, many, many hours, go deep within myself. And now Telia have, uh, yeah, hopefully much better performing and a loyal employee probably for the rest of their lives. But so you started on, let's say, your cohort that you started with. Not everybody became an urban monk. Not everybody became a vegan and engaged. I mean, here's a here's a question. What makes you so special? <laughs> how, how come, <laughs> oh what, what is it about you that, that you just, you got that spark and you did that switch? I believe we're all special. Uh, so that's the first fact. Right. But then I believe that fear maybe steers us too much. And for some reason, I was born in a way where what I want is always more important than fear. So I can, I've never like even mentioned words like depression or um, uh, anxiety attacks and so on, because it's a thing but I'm also a lot more. So I'm able to have the worst feeling inside of me. But if I want something, I will still, I will go on and on for years, even with a a bad feeling because the purpose is higher than me. Hmm. So I believe I don't have that fear that limits me too much. Of course, if I look that I want to be like 10 levels ahead, fear stops me. But if I compare myself to others, I think I have a bigger range maybe. And then, of course, talking to my mom really early on when I was like six, seven years old, I said I wanted to become a farmer. She said, no, it's not called a farmer, it's called a vet. She kind of set expectations as well, like you need to get good grades. You have the potential in the world to kind of apply for all different educations, no matter which grades they kind of uh, you need to come in. So I started early on working hard and then fighting for what I believe in. Yeah, um, hard work is something that, that should not be neglected. A, a lot of people take the, the easy path or just because it's what you're saying is simple does not mean that it's easy. <laughs> that's uh, that's something that I learned uh, the hard way. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, just, you know, just stop the, as you just exercise. That's That's what I have to do. And then it just doesn't happen and oh yeah i forgot that it's it's difficult to do even the mm. simplest things um, but then that changed also like when you say a hard work i would replace that with smart work i yeah. think i can do one thing in a day that is much much more impactful creates a lot of more ripple effects influences a lot more people than I earlier in my life did in a year. So take yourself off from the kind of hamster wheel and like you need to produce amounts and lift yourself to a perspective. What should I achieve this quarter? For example, I'm really a fan of quarterly planning. If I do three things this quarter, that's, that's not much. 
then I will be highly successful. Then everything else just gets on top of that. And you can sometimes relax and sometimes like you can do less things or compile a lot of things into one. One example is the events that we're doing within diversity. We usually did it in seven countries, probably a couple of uh, events or three every quarter in each country with 20, 30, 35 participants. Now we do it with our little fingers online, inviting the whole world, having participants from Russia, India, whatever, and uh, the whole of Europe average of 850 participants one and a half hour call makes a much greater impact it's like hundreds of times less work and everybody can do it and everybody can join yeah it's um a lot of people they the other the other coin two things one is either the pareto principle you know the 80 20 find find that 20 percent that gives you the 80 percent impact and then there is something that so on my linkedin title i i'm I I self-describe myself as, as a, a systems thinker and it's about what you were saying, like get that that view of the system and finding which where to intervene that will that create like um, a snowball effect, if you would like what what changes can you make that that will will give a big impact? Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting that, that you operate that way. I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, we, we've talked a lot um, so far. Is there any, um, I'm going to cut this out because I don't know, I don't know where I wanted to go with this, but um, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing uh, really good. And I also feel that maybe that's some of my kind of life philosophy. Life is what it is. And we can look at many opportunities. I, of course, care about and feel sorry for all those people struggling at the moment. And I also know that I have struggled many weeks uh, and I haven't seen the best of the situation for all those weeks that we've been in lockdown. But I also then try to kind of, it's no excuse, stop lying to yourself. You're not your thoughts. Uh, and then I try to pick my up. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes a day and one graduate journal. But what I would like to say is that for me, I created the Corona life long time before Corona came. And I actually manifested or asked or prayed or whatever you think. I actually wanted or said to many people, like, I just hope the world can get a break a big break. I would wish that everyone in the world could go to India, sit for 10 days with themselves and realize what's important in life. And I believe now I've I've given what I've been asking for. And I believe when we end this and come on the other side, hopefully we have done a lot of great reflections. We have seen a lot of different opportunities, possibilities that we didn't see before because we didn't manage to create a better world ourselves. That's proven. We needed a crisis. And from all crises, if you look to history, it has come something really, really good and transformational. So I welcome all crises as a gift to transform humanity, the planet for the better. And I already see a lot of amazing things happening. So let's be grateful for that. And uh, soon we're gonna be back together as well. That's um that's great. Um, th- those are some great words that you said. And yeah, for those of you listening, um, how can how can people reach out to you? How can they, you know, if they've heard you and they're they want to reach out to you and get in contact with you? How how can they do that? Yeah. So anywhere you like, except email. My email died in 2018. So on Instagram, on Facebook, on Clubhouse, on LinkedIn, whatever. Uh, We also have a website uh, from my company that I run on the site. If you want to join for a dinner or if you want to join for a meditation, uh, please feel free. My doors are open because I believe the world should be open. Are you taking any, um, any Zoom guests on your dinners? We've had some uh, Zoom Zoom dinners, but people say that they would like to, and then uh, it's not that attractive with a Zoom dinner. So if enough people is up, I'm arranging it any day. 
And do you want to talk a little bit about your um, your upcoming? Um, you're going to be starring on Clubhouse soon. What is that about? Yeah, so uh, just me and a friend of mine that was kind of talking about what we're talking about today. So I would say maybe summing up the topic of today is for me, start being honest with yourself. Yeah. And am I honest when I say I love my partner? Am I honest when I say I love my job? Or what kind of small micro changes do I need to do every day in order to get there? And you don't need to change that because research shows that you can find purpose wherever you are. So don't take the easy way out and just change or leave your husband or wife. Uh, try to find more meaning where you are. And then the other one, don't say that you are concerned or like really passionate about something if you can't back it up with action. So start to back up the things you're saying with actions. I think that's maybe the two most important thing uh, I'm summing up here. And then connected to that, we, me and a friend did a podcast or I visited, joined his podcast. And then of course I am my authentic self uh, and I'm, I'm honest and maybe I look at things a bit different than others. So the feedback was enormous. I was I have been invited to five podcasts, 10 um, clubhouse rooms, uh, different kind of uh, journals, newspapers, magazines. Uh, and I believe the world is like hungry for authenticity, for people who are being themselves, because we all long to be ourselves. We're hungry, we're starved for authenticity. And please, please, please make me a promise that you will try to every day be a bit more authentic and true to yourself. That would make a better world. Amen to that. Well, Chris, it's been an amazing ride. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And uh, of course, we're going to have all your, your links and everything that we talked about. We're going to have show notes. And um, yeah, thank you for being on Create Belonging, Chris. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing this and bringing these meaningful uh, things to the world and bringing more meaning. That's, uh, that's something we all need to connect. Okay, welcome back. And I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. Like I said, it's, it, was a, it was a great ride, this conversation. And, and perhaps there's been the least edited conversation I've done is just there was just so much goodness in that conversation and I think Chris it's somebody that radiates joy and possibilities for change and I want to know what takeaways did you get out of it did you learn anything new was there anything that just captured your attention was there anything that you would take away with you from this conversation? And so we met Chris. And Chris is, like I said at the beginning, he is somebody who belongs to himself, first and foremost. But at the same time, he's also leading by example. And that is that he's helping others find their true selves. And that leads people to live a life that is more authentic, that is more in touch with their values. And inevitably a life that we can belong to and just before we wrap up i just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode and please send me your feedback at um, to my email at createbelonging at gmail.com i also started a an instagram page but i am not very skilled when it comes to instagram i am more familiar with linkedin for example but um this is so far a passion project of mine, so I cannot dedicate it as much time as I would love to. So if you want to share any content, if you have any ideas of, of for shows, please reach out to me. I would love listening from you. And again, the feedback I've been getting is great. This is a long journey. And I just want to say one last thing. I know I've been publishing at a rate of one episode a month. However, I would love to start publishing at least two episodes per month. And now that we're heading over to the summer stretch, I'll hopefully have some more time to 
to work on this this great project of mine. Thank you so much for for listening today. I want to give a again a huge thanks to Chris for making the time. I want to thank also Ergi uh, in uh, in France for his theme music, and I want to thank everybody else who's supporting me along the way. And I look forward to our next episode, where we'll be hearing from. Kiron Campbell, who is a spoken word artist. But until next time, go create belonging for yourself and for others. Mm-hmm.